I know all too well the pain of trying out for a role in a local production of a play and not getting it. My kids and I have participated in many plays throughout the years. We are a dramatic group for the most part. The process of trying out for a play is both exhilarating, but it can be heartbreaking. You know, you get ready and you prepare and you practice and you perform for the director. And then you wait with bated breath for callbacks. The list comes out at last and your eyes hungrily scan it. If your name is not on that list, well, then you really get dramatic. No, I didn't make it. Why not? Rejection and regret overflow along with the tears. And then we're thinking, what should I have done differently? Why didn't I put more of myself into the role? Why did I let nerves get to me? Today, we are going to look at a special sort of tryout held in Sushan in the palace by King Ahasuerus and his chamberlains and servants. Crazy stuff, I'm telling ya. All right, I'm looking forward to opening the Bible with you today for such a time as this. Well, hello. I am glad to have you back again on For Such a Time of This, which is a sub-series for Storming the Gates, the name of this podcast, where uh, we talk a lot about prayer and applying prophetic prayer. Currently going through the book of Esther because I believe it relates so much to our lives and what's happening in our world today. This part of the story is a little bit crazy, but I think you are going to uh, love it if you've never heard the story before. And if you have, you're going to enjoy taking a deeper look at Esther chapter 2. So why don't you start by opening up your Bibles today to Esther chapter 2. And I pray that this word will touch you today and help you to find yourself and why God placed you here for such a time as this. And by find yourselves, I mean finding yourself in this story. That's what I always endeavor to do. Where am I in this story? It is part of what I would dare say is God's prophetic word to you. Whenever you read the scripture, he shows you what your part is in that story, in that verse, in that concept. All righty. So chapter two, verse one, without further ado, says... After these things, which is after chapter one yesterday, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti, what she had done and what was decreed against her. Now, if you all remember, Vashti was the queen, but she refused to come and be paraded in front of the king and all the people at his party when he called for her. So she was completely removed as queen and was never to be in the king's presence again. Well, it's interesting, too, that uh, between chapter one and chapter two is actually four years, four years. The king goes to war against Greece. He invades them, but he's defeated. And then he returns home with his tail between his legs it was humiliating. Apparently, Persia greatly outnumbered Greece, but the Greeks soundly defeated them. It was said that 10 Greeks 
or uh, 10 Persians were as good as one Greek soldier. Well, he comes home, King Ahasuerus, and that's when he really begins to miss his queen. And isn't that the way it goes? We can run from our bad mistakes and choices and regrets for a certain amount of time. We can even run for years. But eventually, those things we've done catch up with us. Sometimes it takes us a while to realize what we left behind. Well, Vashti must have been very special to the king because surely he had his share of concubines, but he misses Vashti. The servants see him sorrowing over his lost love, and they begin to chew their nails. The law of the Medes and Persians could not be revoked, and they likely feared that King Ahasuerus remembers who had the brilliant ideal to toss the queen out. So they come up with a plan. All right, let's look at verses two through four here. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, let there be fair young virgins sought for the king and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather together all the young virgins unto Sushan the palace to the house of women unto the custody of Haggai the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women and let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Well, how about that? Let's gather all the beautiful virgins. The Jewish historian Josephus records that there may have been 400 of them. And the king, he took a liking to this idea. Okay, I think we all know why he liked the idea. And I'm sure some of the women felt honored. But there may have been quite a few of them sad to be torn from their homes and families. I mean, imagine you have a lovely young daughter and the king just comes and gets to take her away. She is now the castle's possession and you may never see her face again. There's no Zoom calls and no telephones. She's going to live in luxury in a castle on the hill, so that's good. But Throughout Sushan, hearts ached for their loved ones. Well, I do have to say, this is a crazy, worldly, Hugh Hefnerous thing to do. What's he going to do, put bunny ears on him? Just joking. But despite that, I do want to look at this story in a symbolic way. Because let's think about this. Does not our king gather his beautiful ones? That's you and me, all who have asked uh, his Savior, to be our Lord and Master. He gathers his beautiful ones, and he sets us apart from the world around us. Esther 2, verse 3, tells us that a chamberlain was put in charge of them, which is reminiscent of the Holy Spirit, right? Then they were to undergo a purification process for 12 months involving oils and perfumes. Again, is this not how God deals with his own children? He sets us apart under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. He purifies our mind and our soul and our spirit. And all is done to prepare us to meet our King. So this is what's taking place right now on this earth. And this purification involves healing oils like myrrh, just as Jesus healed our wounded hearts. It involves aromatherapy 
Just as Jesus causes our prayers to rise like incense, it involves lotions to soften the skin. Just as Jesus softens the hard walls we build up as protection from a hard life. But not all would be chosen. In Esther's case, only one could be the leading lady. The rest joined the chorus and the stagehands, otherwise known as the House of Concubines. But in God's case, he calls us to himself and gives us all, everyone, a lead row. That's pretty exciting. There are no tears when we read God's callback list. The problem is, many never respond to the call. Some people see their name under God's cast list, and we have some second thoughts. Um, We realize that it's a sacrifice we might not want to make. There's going to be long hours memorizing lines, sitting through rehearsals, working late at night, missing the family. It means hours spent with fellow actors and actresses. It means worrying about how well the play's going to go and being fitted for a costume. You know, there's a parable in the Bible where a man calls a wedding feast and all his friends and relatives make excuses to stay home. The man is angry and bids his servants to go out into the highways and byways, bring in everyone, great or small, rich or poor, to come to the wedding. And so they did just that. And Jesus gave a moral to this story. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. And so that is how it is today. God has roles to fill, and he is calling. He's out on the highways and byways, and he's looking for us. Uh, One of the reasons you may feel set aside or alone is because you are undergoing the purification that is preparing you for a future role. You might think you're only given a bit part in God's kingdom, but that seemingly bit part is actually crucial. Play it well and you will steal the show. Or at least you'll steal God's heart. One of the bit roles that few desire is that of the intercessor. And I want to talk about this because this is a podcast about prayer and applying prophetic prayer to our lives. And you know what? As a praying person, as an intercessor, you are going to find there are some lonely nights where you're praying like Jesus on a hillside. And there are times everyone else gets to munch on pizza and you're fasting. There's going to be prayer meetings that only a few attend even though many will gladly go attend a Christian concert. And yet, prayer is a leading role. The Bible says God's eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth, searching for the one that he may show himself strong for. He's looking for the one in the middle of the night with their hands clasped, begging for the nation to return to God. He sets a mark on those who sigh and cry for all the abominations that are done in the earth. The Bible tells us that. I'm going to put the uh, reference in my show notes. Well, the intercessors, they're stars in God's kingdom. On earth, the praying ones may look and feel like stagehands, but God sees Oscar winners. To be chosen for a lead role in God's kingdom, you know what you have to do? You have to show up. Once you show up, God takes over from there. We just go when God calls and say yes. God sees deep beauty and surrender, and that is all he needs to mold you into the star he created you to be. I remember striving so hard to be somebody when I was younger. I wanted to make money, 
And instead, I was in serious debt. I wanted to be famous, but I couldn't even sing. People laughed when I sang. I wanted to be the one who was out there like Mother Teresa, caring for all the lost and hurting people. I was going to go to college and get a social worker degree. And my boyfriend, my own boyfriend, laughed at me and said, you're too selfish to ever be a, a social worker. Man, all I ever did was fail. And I discovered I was small and really unimportant. But God, God had been calling me for a very long time. I heard that call, but I knew I couldn't live the Christian life. I did not have the willpower to do it. Um, but one day, I was finally desperate enough, and I answered that call. And to my surprise, I soon learned it was not my effort. It was God's will and God's power. And suddenly, I was becoming that person that I always wanted to be. I discovered that I was kind, caring, and giving. I even sang at church, and people would say, you have a beautiful voice. <laughs> I knew God was real then. So <sighs> abide. Abiding is first. It's first and foremost. You're important because of God. You have God. God is with you. He's calling you, and he's going to choose you when you show up. So give him your attention and give him your life. You may feel lonely at times, but soon you'll experience his power transforming you into his will. I pray that God will bless you with his presence and with that sense that he has called you. He has called you by name to come to him, and he has chosen you for a task upon this earth that no one else can do. You were created for such a time as this. Lord, I pray even for this moment and this day that they, whoever's out there is listening to this, that they know that I have a purpose this day to perform your will. And I ask that you'll open their eyes to see the role that they've been chosen for. But it's not play acting. It's purposeful important. I pray that the Lord will bless your day, and we'll see you again here soon for such a time.